So test cricket has finally returned to India. I'm Karthik Ayer. This is ESPN Cricket for Stump Mike and I'm speaking to you after the first day's play of the much awaited India versus England test series coming to you from Chennai. With me is Gaurav Sundaraman. Hey Gaurav, how is it having test cricket back in your hometown? Yeah, pretty good, but just that uh, no crowds feels a bit weird, but I guess uh, some cricket is still better. So uh, yeah, uh, very, very, very good to see cricket in India again. Mm, along with Gaurav on this edition of the podcast is Matt Roller, all the way from the United Kingdom. Matt, at what time did you wake up today for the test match? <laughs> I had a, uh, a 3.15 alarm uh, to be up in time for the toss, um, but I'm sure... I won't get too much sympathy from a lot of our listeners in India who are getting up at sort of similar sorts of times for that Australia series. Um, but yeah, no, it was, a, it was a pretty gripping day, I thought. Um, so, so worth getting out of bed for. Oh, absolutely. It was. Uh, yeah, Matt, let, let's just begin with you. And I have in my notes right here, England have not lost a wicket for two sessions. And then immediately below that, it scratched that. Yeah, Will, will that last wicket of Dom Sibley give, give India... A wee bit of, you know, it'll just make them feel a little bit better heading into stumps. Yeah, I don't doubt it. I mean, uh, I think the, um, the the thing that I sort of keep coming back to with, with the situation that this test is in is uh, is the last test that these two teams played against each other at this venue, um, which which was in 2016. Uh, in, England put up 477 in the first innings, which looked like a, a reasonably competitive score, at least. Um, and then no prizes for guessing what happened next. Um, lost by lost by an innings. So I think at, at two sixty three for three, th- there's a, a bit of light for India, and they'll be thinking that, um, especially with with sort of Don Best coming in at eight, if they can rattle through a couple of early wickets tomorrow morning, then they'll be in a great position because this looks like a very flat track to me. Um, and obviously India have such a formidable batting lineup at home. So I think it, it, it's a lot more in the balance than it was. But equally, I think if when Root had won the toss and chosen to bat, if you'd offered him 260 for three at the end of the day, I think he would definitely have taken it. Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned that previous series. Gaurav, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there were two, if not three instances when England did, did cross 400 in their first in their first innings while, while batting. So while this seems like it is England day, at 263 for three at stumps it's it's just about par right yeah absolutely i think uh, we all understand that the fact that in india uh, first day wicket is hardly anything a lot of people were getting i think uh, getting biased with the australia tour uh, because that was a proper uh, a pitch which had a lot of uh, stuff for bowlers and pace bowlers especially uh, i guess people having followed that they expect something similar here. This this is a typical Indian wicket and uh, 263 for three is par for the course. They, England have played uh, how they have to play. Um, uh, Karit to Sibley, uh, I think if his wicket was not there, uh, it would have been good, you know, always to have a set batsman continue the next day. He knows the pitch conditions. Now, the next thing they need to do is, again, they need to have one more really big partnership. Uh, and they need to get over 500, 550, I would say, to uh, really... Uh, attack, you know. The moment you don't have runs on the board, you can't really attack. And the Indians generally play much faster. So, uh, yeah, so they will want to score 550 and or declare or get all out uh, close to maybe give India maybe half an hour, uh, one hour tomorrow. That should be their goal. But here we have seen that it's not very easy for visiting teams to do. 
Mm-hmm. Gaurav, you mentioned that this is a typical Indian wicket, but but that's not not what we expected, especially after the quotes from uh, Ramesh Kumar, who is the curator. There's an excellent piece of on him. He has a great story. It's there on Cricket Info. It's called India versus England. Chepok's accidental curator set to roll out pitch with, <laughs> in quotes, English look. Now, uh, uh, Gaurav, this wicket was was not English in any way whatsoever. I guess people. Obviously, all of us have read that and most people have read that it's been all over the media over the last few days. I think that's a wrong, that's kind of maybe changed the way we all, uh, we thought the game is going to go. Maybe that kind of uh, uh, set our expectations slightly differently. So I guess it's not, maybe just looked English with grass and maybe last night and yesterday and today morning they would have maybe shaved it off. So we don't know those details, right? At that point in time, it was green and we did see some pictures. So uh, I guess this is a typical uh, wicket and Sanjay Manjekar, I think, had put up an interesting tweet about this. He said that most pitches have grass two, three days uh, leading up to the test and just before the test, they do shave it off because uh, that's just to keep the pitch more um, uh, with the moist, some moisture on, otherwise it becomes too dry. He was mentioning, so maybe yeah, so maybe uh, that's why. No, you're absolutely right there, Matt. Did you see the photo from like two or three days ago? You literally couldn't tell the difference between the square and the pitch. <laughs> there was there was that much grass on it, and and obviously you expected it to be trimmed. But I'm sure you sitting there as well heard these stories that this may not be your typical pitch at Chepok. Maybe there'll be something in for the fast bowlers, for the swing bowlers as well. Were you surprised this morning? I was a little bit surprised, to be honest, um, when I saw at the toss that India had picked three spinners. Um, I think especially given how well their seamers did on the Australia tour um, and, you know, Mohamed Siraj in particular, I, I was pretty surprised to see him left out. Um, and I suppose we can come on to that at some stage, but I, I, I think there are maybe some signs that they've maybe got their selection a little bit wrong. I think obviously they, they, the man they really missed today was um, Jadeja, who would have been um, gold dust during that big partnership and being able to just tie an end down, go at two and over, make batsmen play the whole time uh, in a way that Nadim and uh, Washington Sundar couldn't. Um, but yeah, in terms of the pitch, I think I think a, a lot of people in the, over here sort of expected it to be a bit of a bluff um, from the groundsman and who, know, who knows whether it was intentional or not. But um, yeah, I don't think it was a huge surprise to see that it was relatively flat. Fine. So let, let's talk about India's selections. And you mentioned Jadeja. In fact, even his replacement, his like-for-like replacement in the squad, Aksar Patel, was ruled out on the morning of the first test with a knee injury. That brought Shabazz Nadeem in. Gaurav, I think the talk of the town was, why isn't Kuldeep still not getting a chance in India's test 11? He's now, what, fourth, fifth, fourth or fifth, fifth choice spinner. But, you know, in a perverse way, I feel... Kuldeep, by not playing this day of, of of this particular test, maybe has done himself his chances of playing the next few no harm whatsoever. So, I wouldn't say he's the fourth choice or fifth choice. I think Kuldeep was touted to play for sure uh, with Aksar as the uh, all-around, uh, all-rounder there. They needed a left-arm orthodox spinner, which was very clear after the Sri Lankan tour. So, I think the plan, I guess, till last night was Aksar and Kuldeep to play. And the moment Aksar gets injured, it affects the balance. So, which is why today morning we saw a press release before the match that Nadim's been added to the squad. So, that was a hint that Nadim going to play because otherwise they're not going to be sending that uh, morning of the match, which uh, they usually don't do. So, uh, obviously, the the need for the left-arm spinner is something which uh, Indian management has uh, they wanted and that 
that, that was obvious. So Nadim comes in and then uh, Washington had to replace Aksar because the, otherwise your batting becomes a bit too too thin, right? Ashwin at seven. Uh, then you have uh, Kuldeep, Bumrah, Ishant and uh, Nadim, right? So that may not really uh, work out. So which is why they bought in Washington. So I can understand very, very hard luck to Kuldeep. He must have uh, been waiting to play. And... Uh, but yeah, I guess the combination uh, these days, uh, this day and age, and you want your tail to perform uh, to bat as well, right? We saw what happened with Shardul and Washington, what they did in Gaba, because they could bat. And that's so important. You never know sometimes how useful that is. So, uh, which is why it's slightly a bit too risky to just go in with um, uh, Ashwin at number seven. So I think purely that's the reason. I think Kuldeep's still in the scheme of things. And uh, so that really shows coming back to the, what they miss. They miss Jadeja more than anybody else. You know, it just affects the balance. It just affects everything. Uh, so that is very, very key. Absolutely. I, you mentioned uh, Matt Siraj over there and the surprise at his non-selection. I think our colleague from Australia, Dan Brettig as well, tweeted about it, that he was shocked almost that Siraj wasn't in the eleven. Uh, Quite honestly, I don't think that was the view in India because I think a lot of us here just felt that if you're playing two seamers, Ishant and Bumrah are going to be your first choice seamers. But I I, I kind of get where you're coming from that this this guy has come from a great tour of Australia, his debut tour, and now he's not even in the 11, even though he's fit in his home country. Yeah, I suppose it's a bit of a strange one. I think as much as anything, it was almost comparing the fact that there's been what feels like a bit more of a show of loyalty to to Washington um, after his debut. But equally, as Gora, I've explained there, um, you know, there's probably quite a good chance he wouldn't have played if Akshar had been fit. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I felt a little bit like Kohli's hand was, was forced at various points, even in terms of managing the fitness of the sort of the big three in this attack, um, in his chance, Boomer and Ashwin, because there were, there were a few points during both the, the afternoon and the evening sessions where it felt like the game was drifting a little bit. England were quite happy to rotate and also score, you know, almost a boundary and over at various points off um, Washington and Nadim. But I think because of the fact that he's got three bowlers, all of whom have just returned to fitness, um, there, there might have been some sort of reluctance to, um, you know, risk over bowling them on the first day of the series because... You know, you don't win a series on day one, but if you if one of your three best bowlers goes down injured, then you can go a decent way towards losing it. And and I thought you mentioned the big three, and I thought they bowled fairly decently. I think Shabazz and Washington weren't at their best at all, but I thought the Ashwin, Bumrah, and Ishant were pretty good with the ball today. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, I think Ishant was was particularly impressive, sort of getting the ball to reverse um, pretty early in the day. Actually, I think sort of midway through the afternoon session there were a few signs that it was was moving a little bit um Bumra obviously playing his first home test um which you know seems pretty crazy to me three more than three years after his first one but you know I'm sure everyone's aware of the, the sort of various reasons um behind that um and Ashwin was an interesting one I thought it, there, there were definitely signs early on that he was troubling Root a little bit I thought um he was getting a little bit of drift away from from the bat there was a, sh- a false shot very early in roots innings where he sort of looked to work in- into the leg side and got a leading edge through the covers I think he did that once or twice more um, but equally he-, he I think Ashman didn't actually bowl that many balls at root all told um, and-, and especially not as his innings progressed um, which I suppose 
as I say, was maybe a little bit strange, but equally, Root does have an excellent record against him. And, you know, that there is the risk that you can bowl someone into the ground on, on day one and, and risk a, a, a bigger issue than, than simply a position that India probably won't feel that um, bad about overnight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That That's a good segue into the man of the moment as well. Joe Root in his 100th Test match, Gaurav, he's scored a century, his 20th in Test cricket. That's now three in three Test matches. Michael Vaughan tweets, without question, Root will end up being England's greatest batsman across all formats. Yeah, Gaurav. obviously, I think so. He's too young and uh, he still has, what, six, seven years. That's what we thought about Cook too. Uh, so many stats, stat pieces yeah, that we Cook can break Sachin and all those things. I remember... Uh, doing a detail. You know, you know what, G-Stats, you can just repurpose, repurpose all of that. Just, just change the name yeah. and a few numbers <laughs> here and there. stock comes in England, it's not the amount of test cricket they play. You expect all these things, but somehow Cook didn't manage to play so long. He still plays for Essex, right, Matt? So, but uh, we don't know those things, but yes, he's uh, he's really good. He's an amazing player of spin. We see uh, his performance in Asia. So, he will be England's best and... Uh, uh, see, coming and proving it in India and India again and again is the hardest part. And we have Smith and Root doing that consistently. So I think uh, um, hats off, Root. No doubt about it, he is England's best. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, I do not think we should understate just how good Root has been over the past few weeks. And I think a lot of it is 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 our fault as well. Because when England were playing in Sri Lanka and especially when a few more series were happening at that time, I do not think Root got enough of the limelight that he deserved. After that double century in Gaul, followed it up with another 186 in the, at the same venue as well. And he's now come here and in the first test here, his 100 tests, he's got another century. It's almost like... He, a, he has a point to prove, especially when his batting was being questioned and, and we were all like, there's no more Fab for maybe include Babur instead of Root, right? Yeah, I mean, well, at the start of this year, Root, Root turned 30 right at the end of last year. Um, and obviously, this is a year where England are going to play something crazy like 16 or 17 test matches. Um, so, so this really shaped up to be a defining year for him. He didn't hit a century last year. Um, just sort of reached a landmark in terms of age as well as number of tests played. Um, and yeah, I mean, with, with, you know, away tours in India and Australia and the home series against India, this, this, this was a huge year for him. So to have started with, what, 500 plus runs in five innings so far um, is a seriously good effort. Um, and, and yeah, I think today, obviously, you know, um, it, it, it's difficult to compare the innings, very different situations. He was so dominant in terms of the percentage of England's runs he scored in Sri Lanka. But I thought today was almost a different type of innings because in, in Sri Lanka, probably because of the fact that, you know, um, Ashwin is a lot better than, say, Embel Denier and Dilruan Pereira. He, he almost looked, it, it looked very easy throughout in Sri Lanka in a way that you sort of maybe question the standard of the opposition to an extent. You thought, well, he, he, he really doesn't look like he's having to try too hard to do it. Clearly, he was having to try extremely hard because he, he spent so much time at the crease and the rest of his team struggled for for long stretches of that series. Um, but there was almost something to it that just seemed, you know, ethereal in terms of how straightforward it was. But I think today it's easy to forget just how he started pretty slowly. I think he was on 12 or 53, 54 balls, something like that, when Washington came on um, and hadn't played a sweep at that point either, which was sort of the, the defining image of his series in Sri Lanka was him sweeping, reverse sweeping, switch hitting, whatever. Um, 
but yeah, instead he he sort of started very steadily and then just eased through the gears so effortlessly in this innings against the highest standard of opposition. Um, he was only on forty five at T as well and ended ended on one hundred and twenty odd, not out overnight. Um, but yeah, I think equally the the hardest part is yet to come because he needs to go out and resume tomorrow morning. We saw him cramp up uh, near the end tonight, um, so you know his fitness will be put to the absolute test. Um, but you know, Root sort of feels like the difference between you know he could quite happily get five hundred and fifty if he puts on massive stands with Stokes, Pope, and Butler. But equally, if he goes early and and India get a bit of a sniff, then it could be three hundred and fifty all out, and England have effectively lost this lost the test in a session. So I, I think tomorrow will define just how important a contribution it was. But it, it's been a seriously good inning so far. Yeah, if there's one thing, Gaurav, that India can take some solace in, it's if if Sri Lanka is any example, it's that Root is not going to get very many runs in the second innings. <laughs> and will he get a run out? I don't know. Let's see uh, how things go. Uh, but I really hope for the purpose of the series, England need to compete uh, really well. For that, Root needs to get a big one, uh, get a triple maybe, and put up a big score so that uh, he may need not bat in the second innings itself. That's the only what, way. What, what you're basically saying is, can Root match Karun Nair? Yeah, yeah. but uh, hopefully <laughs> not the way it, his career go, went after that, but just for this test match. Yeah, no, fair enough. It, it was an extremely impressive performance by Jurut. He obviously ends the day at 128 not out. And he had a company during most part of the day with in Dom Sibley. Sibley batted 286 balls. And as as we do usually here, Gaurav, there were a lot of comparisons with, with who was it? Cheteshwar Pujara, with Rahane. People were calling him Dombivli Dom. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So regarding Sibley, you know, I was checking in stat. Pujara's slowest hundred is one eight uh, two eighty balls. So Sibley would have smashed that record. So uh, I think he did what he had to do. Uh, I think that's exactly how you play in India. That's how you uh, set up games. It'd be really sad that he didn't go on to score the century uh, and play tomorrow. But you need that from openers, and you need that from visiting openers to actually. Uh, uh, perform uh, very well. So, uh, yeah, Sibley's done really well. Now we have to see Stokes, Butler uh, and um, Oli Pope. So, uh, Matt, I, w- I wanted to ask you, all these three are slightly aggressive players. So, do you think they can play the game or what, what Sibley did? Well, it, it, they're obviously very different types of players. What I would say on Sibley is is that the impressive thing is his rate of improvement. Um in the first three innings he played in Sri Lanka, he scored six runs, um, was out to the left arm spinner and Baldenia all three times and looked, you know, completely hopeless more or less against spin. He, he, he was stuck between getting forward and staying back. And he, he pretty much looked as though he'd never faced a spinner before. Then in that in that run chase in the second test, he then looked a little bit more comfortable. He was There were maybe a few slightly generous fields set for him by Chandamal. Um, and he, he sort of, you know, that meant that he... he was assured of his place for this game. But despite the fact he was very slow, I think people will appreciate the work that he, he's done. What, what, was was the Sorry, I have to interrupt you there, Matt, but was there chatter that he may have been dropped, especially if Crawley hadn't gotten hurt a few days ago? Yeah, I, I think he probably would have played uh, in, in all likelihood. But had he not got that 50 um, in, in the second innings at Gaul, it might have been a different conversation. I think Crawley would have batted three in this team had he been fit ahead of Lawrence today. 
Um, but with Burns coming back from paternity leave, there was there was probably a scenario in which uh, Burns and Crawley opened and maybe England played an extra all-rounder and someone like Wokes, um, or maybe even picked Moina ahead of Bess and shifted things around like that. Um, so, so you know, he definitely wasn't assured of his place even two weeks ago. But I think, that, yeah, the work that he's done in setting the game up, putting Miles in, in India's legs, it's quite difficult to actually um, encapsulate in, in terms of a number um, but the fact that he he's just occupied the crease for as long as he he can has these sort of this intangible effect on the rest of the innings. Um, in terms of those three, Gaurav, I think um, it's fair to say that Stokes has sort of started quite slowly a lot of the time in the past two years and is now batting a lot more like a sort of quote unquote proper batsman in Tests, um, where he, he sort of goes through the gears and it, while he'll be able to um, attack against Nadim if the situation demands it, for example. Um, I, I, I wouldn't imagine that he's going to come out playing a ton of shots, especially not having played a test since, I think, last August. Um, Pope is a, a very classical player, sort of quite resembles Ian Bell a lot of the time, I think, um, but equally has dug in and got important runs in South Africa, for example, um, last winter. And Butler equally, much as everyone sort of associates him with being this, the limited overs, um, phenomenon that he is, he he can occasionally and has occasionally sort of come down a gear or two in tests. Um, like he pl- he played um second fiddle, I'd say to to Crawley in his double at um the Ajiz ball against Pakistan last summer and was sort of striking at fifty throughout that innings. Um, so obviously that you know I expect they they won't be soaking up dot balls and and maidens in the same way that Sibley did. Um, it might be a bit easier on the eye because they might <laughs> not be hacking every single run through mid-wicket. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think Eng- England will be cautiously optimistic going into tomorrow in terms of being able to put up a, a match-winning total. It's exciting, isn't it, Gaurav? I mean, I know you mentioned that from England's point of view, it's not the best thing that Sibley got out for 87 with what turned out to be the last ball of the day. But as a viewer, when when you wake up in the morning, I mean... There's, there's probably not many things better than Ben Stokes walking out to bat on the second day of the Test match. Yeah, he's not been playing for a pretty long time and Ashwin has a great matchup against Stokes. So, that is something uh, I'm looking forward to. Uh, India would have definitely planned for that. You, would, I, I expect Boomer and Ashwin to maybe start tomorrow. Um, and uh, it, we, let's see how, how this rustiness has uh, is affected uh, Stokes. Um, batting in... Such conditions is not at all easy that too after coming for such a break. But Stokes, Butler, all this, uh, they, they bat well and uh, they're solid batsmen. So it would be exciting to see uh, how well they go about doing their job. Uh, so, yeah, Ashwin versus Stokes is something to look forward to. Absolutely. I mean, it's going to be a cracker of the day. And before we get your predictions on what is going to happen tomorrow, I don't think we'll get a chance to... To, to really discuss this during the next few days of the podcast, Matt. So, a word from you on England's selections today. I mean, you mentioned Sibley, but were there any surprises in, in the eleven? Like like we spoke about India's at the start of this podcast? Well, I suppose it was quite unusual to see Dan Lawrence walking out at number three. Um, it's not a role he's he's performed very often. He I think his last first-class innings there was in 2017. He's much more of a four or a five. Yeah, I, I think I think in the pre-match when they put up the graphic on TV, I think he was at either five or six, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, yeah, he, he's he's more of a middle order batsman rather than a top order batsman, I would say. Um, and you know, he 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 got a good ball from Bumra, but I don't think he necessarily played it particularly well. Um, so that was a little bit of a surprise. But I, as I say, I think Crawley would have played ahead of him, but for his injury. 
Um, then there were two others that, that were a little, um, I, I don't know whether people would have been surprised by them or not, but um, best playing ahead of Moeen as the, the, the off spinner. Um, obviously, Moeen would have added a little bit of extra batting um, and is potentially the more the more dangerous of the two. Um, I think Bess is still very much seen as a work in progress, but um, England clearly like him as an all-round package. He offers a lot in the field and is sort of a, a, a solid number eight or nine. Um, and then Anderson playing ahead of Broad might have caught a few, um, sort of raised a few eyebrows as well. Um, I mean, my eyebrows are always raised when you have to choose between <laughs> any one of a 600-plus test wicket-taking bowler and a 500-plus test wicket-taking bowler. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's just shocking to even think think <laughs> that England have these many options and they can only pick one of the two. Yeah, I think, it, it, to be honest, I think having listened to what they both said before this sort of six-test tour almost between Sri Lanka and uh, India... I think they were both anticipating playing three tests each or similar to that. Um, I, I don't know exactly why they've done it. It might be to do with the fact that, you know, if, if they continue to sort of alternate and go Anderson Broad, Anderson Broad, that means Anderson plays in the pink ball tests um, at Ahmedabad. I don't know if that's potentially the reason. Um, but yeah, I don't put it this way. I don't think we'll see one of the uh, the broad interviews that he did at the start of last summer where he was saying he was, you know, what was it, frustrated and gutted and angry about being left out. I, I think he'll uh, take a little more, more on the chin this time. And there was that iconic image of him from there as well, sitting in his hotel room that he overlooked, <laughs> I think, the ground. Yeah. And and he was watching the tests and tweeting from there. So yeah, that that was special. But yeah, no, I think um, I, I think all told, you'd be hard pushed to to have too many arguments about this this side. Um, the interesting ones will come later in the series when, uh, for the third test, Curran, Wood, and Bairstow will return, and obviously this is this is the only test that Butler's going to play in the series. Um, and there's been a lot written in the in the UK uh, press about the decision to to rotate players, but I think most people understand that um, the ECB do have. Their, their best intentions uh, in mind and sort of are, are, are almost taking a preventative step to to avoid burnout and mental health becoming an issue um, it, rather than sort of reacting once they have, um, which I, I personally think is think is a, a very good thing. But um, I, equally, I can understand why people are frustrated at the idea that people will, will miss part of a marquee test series and then play in the IPL. But I suppose that's probably a discussion for another pod. Absolutely. That's that's the way it is right now. Matt, what we do on this podcast at the very end is get in our thoughts and predictions of what we think will happen tomorrow. Oh, I think England will make 480 all out and I think India not will enough, be something Matt, not like... Enough. Not enough. Yeah, <laughs> I, I fear that it won't be enough and I think India will be 50 for one or something like that at stumps. To be really honest, what I want, let me tell you, and what will happen, I'll tell you uh, after that. So what I want is I want England to bat till post T, score about 550 to 600, and India to be, say, even 30 for no loss or 30 for one, because that just gives a good start to this series. Uh, But what I think will happen is very similar to what Matt says. I think India will uh, get some early wickets tomorrow and uh, might be dismissed between 400 to 450. And India will be about 100 for one or something with a quick fire 50 by uh, Rohit. Awesome. Okay, so we'll only know the answers to how well you'll have done with your predictions tomorrow evening. Until then, from Gaurav, from Matt and from myself, Karthik. See you. Thank you. Thank you.